Starting a counseling ministry is a rewarding process. Knowing how to do it is critical. Therefore, in this podcast, I want to share with you six key ideas, things for you to think about as you prepare to counsel others in the context of a local church. And I want you to understand that this is not an exhaustive list. Starting a counseling ministry is a huge process. It's not a project. (laughs) It's a process. There are a lot of component parts to it. There's a lot to think about, and it takes a while to really get it going and to envision your people. And so the six things that I'm going to share with you is not exhaustive in any way, shape, or form. Maybe I need to share 206 things in order to cover it comprehensively, but I just want to whet your appetite, and I hope this will be a benefit for you. This is episode 166. The title of the podcast, Six Key Ideas When Starting a Counseling Ministry. You're listening to Life Over Coffee. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. I'm going to jump right into it. There are show notes, of course. If you look for episode 166 on our website, rickthomas.net, Six Key Ideas When Starting a Counseling Ministry, you'll find, well, these six thoughts I'm going to share with you. You'll also find some other articles that you can read or podcasts that you may want to listen to. I talk about in these other articles of how to start a ministry, an online ministry, and uh, those types of things. And so I want to give you more than just starting a counseling ministry in a local church. And so you can listen to those podcasts and read that information if you want to. And then also I have 34 videos here uh, that you can watch, all 34 of them, or 10 minutes or less. I don't know what the average would be, somewhere between, I imagine, 5 to 10 minutes, but there's 34 of them, and so you can watch them for well over a month. What I'm trying to say, there's a lot of information here in these show notes. And then, if you want, you can watch our 10-part Introduction to Biblical Counseling series. These are 10 one-hour webinars that I just completed in the fall of 2018, and so you can watch all 10 hours of that. And in fact, I would highly recommend that, especially if you're going to start a counseling ministry, whether it's online or in a local church. And so they are here too. And then, of course, we have our mastermind training program, and this is where we train those people who have a leadership gift, whether that leadership gift is is being worked out in real time today, or it's a leadership gift as in a diamond in the rough. But in order to do our mastermind program, you do have to have a definitive leadership gift. Other people have recognized that leadership gift. And again, you could be living it out now within a church context or within a ministry context, or people have identified a person who has the potential for leadership in the future, but whether it is already active in your life now or the diamond in the rough, you do need a distinct leadership gift in order to do our all-online mastermind program because that's what it's designed for. It's not designed for counselees, for people who are looking for a discipleship program. It's not a Bible study. It's, 
It's not your it's it's not a discipleship program in that sense. This this is more uh, it's more like a, a a cross between an academic college course, training course over a couple of years and an apprenticeship. It's both of those things together and you really need the gifting to be able to do it and I'm, I really want to be clear on that because a lot of times people, uh, they, they read our resources or listen to our podcast, and it's like, this really resonates with me, and I want more of this. And then they see our mastermind program, and they jump into it and realize that <laughs> it's not just an elephant. It's a herd of elephants, and you really have to have the gifting in order to go through our program because that's what it's for. We're trying to identify and isolate leaders so that we can equip them to function within a leadership capacity within a local church or their own parachurch organization. And so if you want to talk about that, you can talk to me about it, and and I would love to chat with you if you're interested in the program. But as a, a gentleman said to me not so long ago, you, you're creating hurdles to keep people out of this program, and I am. Uh, because I I don't want to I don't want you to waste your time or money, and and I definitely don't want to uh, spend my time uh, because there's so many people who are qualified and there's so many people that are uh, wanting a piece of me or trying to uh, get help from me and it's just not possible. And with that in mind, uh, and I know some of you are new. Uh, those of you who have been listening for a while, this will be a bit redundant, but if you try to contact me through any means other than our website, you'll be disappointed. And you really have to understand that with thousands of people that come to us every day asking us questions. We have four people uh, that answer emails, four people, and, and it's just we're, we're working hard to keep up, but we have to work within the confines, uh, constraints in which we have and so if you try to contact me through social media or any other means other than my website, you just need to know, this is the way I say it, if your question is important to you, if it's that important to you, and you want an answer from me, uh, then you go to our uh, forums and you ask that question. If it's a technical matter about how uh, to uh, find something on our website or whatever, you can hit the contact link, and we have four people that answer answers emails but if it, it's this, if it is these interactive questions about how to start a ministry, uh, ministry-related questions, and counseling questions, personal questions, uh, the only way that uh, you'll get a response from me and our team is that you go through our website. And we have to do it that way because there is so many—I mean, it, it is a blessing from God. God has been so kind to this ministry to— permit us to help so many people, but you, you do have to understand that the people who come to us aren't asking for uh, what is the temperature tomorrow uh, in your state or, or wherever you may live. People who ask us questions ask us detailed questions, life-dominating sin questions, marriage-falling-apart questions, and you can't interact with those questions uh, just in every possible venue. And so we, we need you to come to our place, come to our uh, shop, come to our store, and, and we'll be glad to, and we'll interact with you until you're just uh, helped thoroughly or, or worn out. Uh, we'll persevere with you is what I'm saying, but you have to do it our way because there's just, you're not the only one. 
uh, you, you know, hey, Rick, I have a question for you. Well, there's 40 people doing that on any given day. And so you have to understand that and, and uh, come to our website and uh, we will be glad to help you. Episode 166, six key ideas when starting a counseling ministry. And so let's just get get into it. And the first thing that I would say, and let me caveat one more time, this is a non-exhaustive list. This is not going to answer every question that you have. Point number one, it must be a top-down leadership-driven desire to serve the body this way in counseling. A lot of times we'll have folks who have gone through a, a horrendous situation like a divorce or adultery or whatever it may be, or they've been a victim of something and they received help and and they just want to help people. They have a good desire. They have a burden, and they're inside their local church, and they just want to shout from the housetops, uh, hey, let's get some help, and we can do counseling, and, and this is what God has done for me, and we can overcome our problems, and we can work through it. And that is a fantastic thing. You won't flag waivers in your church. You won't people who have a high view of sanctification and discipleship, and they just have a tremendous burden in order to uh, to help other people. That is critical if you're going to have a counseling ministry in a local church, but it must be top-down. It must be leadership-driven. Because if it doesn't, it could very well split your church. In fact, it will split your church. There's a 99.99% chance it will split your church if the leadership is not on board with having this kind of sanctification community. See, some churches don't have this vision for discipleship. They don't have this vision for sanctification. I'm talking about counseling here, having formalized counseling sessions where people uh, come in and sit with uh, a trained person in biblical counseling, some leaders church people, churches don't have that vision. You know, maybe they are a seeker-sensitive church, for example, and, and and they don't know how to counsel. A lot of time, I mean, it's not uncommon for a pastor not, not to know how to do formalized, intensive biblical counseling. Now, that's not a, a strike against any pastor, per se. Every pastor should not have the gift to do high-end, personalized counseling, uh, it's really not needful. In fact, I wouldn't even recommend it because uh, pastors have so much that they have to do, and pastors should not be involved in extensive counseling situations uh, week in and week out. Uh, they should understand discipleship principles, obviously. They should understand the doctrine of sanctification and how it works out in people's lives, and they should be able uh, to help people in the area of sanctification, but they don't need uh, to have this high-end understanding and practice of formalized biblical counseling. And one of the reasons is they can't implement it anyway in their own lives because they have so many responsibilities uh, to do, but they should be able to delegate and equip the saints and, and set up these contexts to where people who can devote uh, sufficient time to this. I mean, I, I talk to pastors who, who spend 20 to, to 25 hours a week uh, studying for their, their sermon uh, on Sunday morning. And I think that's fantastic, by the way, that they spend so much time just 
uh, working the sermon because it's so critical that the sermon be right, that they be sound exegetes and, and they be sound communicator, effective communicators of the Word of God and they spend time. And it's not just crafting the sermon, but it's, it's begging God to give them insight into the need of the church. And, 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 and of course, it is obviously being sound exegetes because you want to get the passage right. You want to preach correctly. And there's a lot involved in this idea of hermeneutics and the interpretation of, of the Bible and exegesis of, of digging out Scripture and understanding the true meaning of the word, the phrase, uh, the sentence, and this idea of homiletics, of, of communicating God's word. I mean, just that aspect of preaching is, is really huge, and it takes a lot of work, and you want pastors to be gifted and to be able to do it well. Well, then you take counseling. Counseling Counseling is a, a full-time job, and the person who leads a counseling ministry should have a master's degree, preferably, minimally, should have it. And I know that's not doesn't work for every church to understand that, but what I'm saying is, is that the counselor should, uh, should have intensive training as well and put all that burden on the pastor is too much. Should he be able to counsel? Well, of course he, he should, uh, but... The big idea here is that they must be on board with this. They must have this view. And so sicker-sensitive churches, for example, may not have uh, this view. Many pastors do say, well, I can't do that, and they just don't have an understanding of it. They don't have a basic understanding of this idea of a counseling ministry, and because they don't, it's not top-down driven. Uh, you have some churches that may be more evangelistic in their approach, uh, and you have others that are, are more missional. Uh, well, that's kind of like evangelistic, but ministry is what I meant to say, more ministry-driven. They just create all kinds of programs, but they really don't have this view of having a counseling ministry. And if you if it's not top-down top driven, uh, this is the point, is that it will be you, and, and you will be alone, and after a while, it will begin to build a schism within within your local church because your vision, your burden, your desire, will it will be different. It will be different. If, if your leadership doesn't have that uh, vision, then you will have an alternate vision. There's no way around that, and so your leadership must be on board. But another reason that you want them on board is because they will be the ones that will be communicating this. There's so much counseling that can happen in a sermon. Uh, when a pastor is preaching on Sunday morning and you want a pastor who has this high view of counseling slash discipleship so that he can weave uh, sanctification into his uh, sermons, and then that allows you, let's say that you're counseling uh, uh, people, you know, three, four, five, ten people, uh, during the week, and you want them to uh, go to the Sunday service, and you want the Sunday service and what you're doing in the counseling office to have some symmetry. And so the the, the pastor can preach a, a sound exegetical message with some wonderful application points, and it really just dovetails into what you're doing in the counseling office because you're all on the same page. And so it must be top-down leadership-driven. And that that's common sense, really. It's like any company uh, that you have, uh, whatever the vision is of the owners of the company, the owners of the corporation, the people within the corporation, uh, that you, you need to be walking in, in the same steps. You need to have the same vision and same idea. Uh, you don't want to be this thing, this appendage out on the side of the local church where you're doing your thing, but the, other, the rest of the church, uh, because your, <clears throat> your pastors, your elders, your leadership team, 
they will be envisioning small group leaders and they will be envisioning the entire body uh, in this idea of counseling slash discipleship. And so it is critical that if you're going to start a counseling ministry within a local church, that it is top-down driven. Number two, I would say that you guard against becoming a two-tier system where you have this false idea of those who can and those who cannot counsel. This happens so often within the body of Christ, within local churches specifically. It kind of flows out of this idea of being top-down driven. You don't want pastors to disqualify themselves. Well, they say, well, I can't do that. That's something that you do. No, that pastor has to have a pretty good understanding of, of counseling and, and discipleship, even though his gifting might not be as, as high end as your gifting is. But you also want the church body to think the same way. And this is tied into that symmetry that I was talking about before. Maybe symbiosis would be better, is that we're all on the same page. And so the leaders of the church and you are symbiotic. You're assimilated in each other as far as this idea of discipleship slash counseling. Well, then also you want the entire body to think that way as well. And so the leadership and you are just walking in lockstep. You're just integrated together with this idea. And then number two, point number two is guard against becoming a two-tier system where you have this false idea of those who can and those who cannot counsel. And so you want to begin to communicate this vision, and this is where your leadership will be able to help you as they talk to the body in whatever context that they have. As I said, like they can be talking to the small group leaders and equipping them and envisioning them uh, that they need to get on board with this. And of course, from the from the pulpit on Sunday morning, they can just they can just you know just make one sentence statements like every Sunday or every other Sunday or what whatever, or make these application points within uh, their own sermons that are sanctification-driven, sanctification-centered, or they could just throw out these ideas like you're, you all need to be discipling each other, and there's a thousand ways to do this. But Paul was very clear in Romans 15, 14. He says that you're filled with goodness, you're filled with knowledge, and you're able to instruct one another because not only will leaders, some leaders will say, well, I can't do that. And again, they might not be able to do it uh, according to the gifting that you have, and that's true, but they can do that, and that was the point of Romans fifteen fourteen. And you'll have church people that will say, "Well, I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to counsel." And it's one of the reasons that I use the word discipleship because once you say counsel, you know, you need to be counseling each other. And that's one of the reasons that people disqualify themselves from this idea uh, because they upload uh, they upload a lot of baggage into this idea of counseling that doesn't need to be there. It has a connotation to them that uh, disqualifies them from doing it. Everybody can uh, counsel uh, to according to the gifting and the capacities that they have. Every person cannot counsel in a formalized way. That's not reasonable, it's not logical, and it's absolutely not biblical. We have the hand and, and the eye and the foot. We all have different parts to the body of Christ. We all have different giftings, and it's unreasonable, unbiblical, it's unwise to expect everybody within the church to have the exact same gifting when it comes to counseling. And so there's two ditches here that you want to stay out of. One ditch says, I can't counsel. That's wrong. You can. You know something about God. If you're a Christian, you've had some experience with God. I typically pe give people this test when I, 
asked them this question. I asked them, I said, do you love, do you love God? They say, yes. Do you, do you love people? They say, yes, or they better, they better say, they better say yes. Do you love God's word? Yes. So you love God. You love people. You love God's word. Do you, do you love to see people changed by God's word? Yes. You should answer yes to all four of those questions. Do you know something about God's word? Well, yes. Well, then you need to be sharing whatever that is. And you always want to grow up in that knowledge. None of, none of us have reached omniscience yet. Or let's bring it down to a human level. None of us have reached the fullest capacity of what our knowledge and application of our knowledge could be. We're always growing, always learning, always training. We're always exercising our minds. We're always striving to uh, mature up in, in Christ. And so whatever you know today, a year from now, you'll know more. But you always disciple within the capacity that God has given you. And so you want to make sure that you send a loud and clear message to everybody uh, in your church building, from the front row to the back row, that you're all able, you're all able to do this. And just because we're starting a counseling ministry within this local church, it doesn't mean uh, that some of you are going to be spectators. All of you are going to be involved according to the gifting that you have. And so point number one, it must be top-down leadership-driven. Point number two, you want to guard against building a two-tier system where you have this false idea of those who can and those who can't counsel. Point number three, you want to identify and equip those who are gifted to do formal and informal counseling. I'm going to use that language just to de delineate between the two kinds. And when I say formal counseling, I'm talking about a person who can virtually take on all comers. You can counsel anybody with any problem according to God's word. And so the person who has been uh, abused sexually, the person who has had some traumatic event or a traumatic childhood, the person who's in a, uh, a painfully dysfunctional marriage, the person who's recovering from a painfully dysfunctional marriage, but you can take on all comers. And that's what I mean by formalized biblical counseling. And that's what I mean by all pastors don't have that gifting. But again, that's not a strike against pastors, and they shouldn't have. Every pastor can't have that gifting. And even if they did have it, they can't commit that kind of time because of their greater responsibilities within the local church. But it is ideal to have uh, people within the church who can do that, depending on the size of the church, of course. If it's a very large church, you should be able to identify and equip uh, several people who have that gifting. If you have, And you want someone on the point. You want a man on the point of a counseling ministry within a local church. And this is what I was saying, that ideally that person should have minimally a master's degree in biblical counseling because uh, biblical counseling is a, a comprehensive discipline, and you want that person to be well-trained and have a, a thorough understanding of all the component parts of counseling, including understanding disorders and the DSM. Not, And I don't mean everything there is to know about disorders and DSM, but understand what it is and not being intimidated by that and being able uh, to have an apologetic uh, against that So, uh, and, the, and the ability to articulate uh, a better answer, which is biblical counseling. And so you, that person has to be well-trained and it's, they need more, in my view. They need more than just your average training in order to be on point of a local church. And then those under this individual, the ideal situation is to have a man and woman who are competently trained uh, so the man can be released from having to interact with uh, all the women uh, that come uh, from the church who are need needing counseling. 
And then you want to train people to do informal counseling. Those that don't have that high-end gifting, but yet they are supplemental, they're, they're complementary to uh, what is going on so that you can release people to them for more informal counseling sessions. And then number four, this is number three, identify and equip those who are gifted to do formal and informal counseling. Number four, have small group leaders and other friends sit in on counseling sessions. This is one of the w- ways that you equip both formal and informal counseling. It's like an internship. Uh, in one sense, it's like an internship where you're doing uh, training, especially for formalized counseling, uh, but you want informal counselors sitting in and small group leaders as well. And it doesn't matter what words you use to identify these people. I'm just doing that here uh, for the sake of this podcast. It really doesn't matter, but you want people sitting in. And if they're sitting in, you're accomplishing two things. You're training them. You're instructing them according to their gifting and their capacities. But the other thing that you're doing, uh, because a counselor can only counsel so many people a week. In fact, I recommend to our students that you're really not counseling more than 12 to 15 hours a week because of the grind that counseling is on your soul. Uh, Doing counseling 40 hours a week for 40 years is not a plan. That is not a plan. You can't do it. I don't recommend it. You shouldn't do it. It's too hard on your soul. So you're only counseling a limited number of people uh, because of that grind on your own soul. Therefore, you want other people sitting in on the counseling sessions, not just to train them, but so that this counselee can be released and they can meet with this person throughout the week. Uh, every, Every week they can meet with this person in an informal context to continue the counseling that you are not a part of, that you don't have to be a part of. And that's also a way of equipping your local church. And so having small group leaders and other friends sit in, and that's how you really get the body of Christ engaged. That's number four. Number five, do regular counselor training events. And you can do a church-wide training event, like our Introduction to Biblical Counseling series. You could have me come in and do uh, this 10 part series over uh, a weekend. I mean, it would be be better to take two weeks, but I know that's not practical because of the time involved, Uh, but to do this 10-part series. uh, You could have a counseling case study counseling class. Every Sunday morning, you could have a case study class. We have 48 case studies that are accessible to you. They're free to you, and you could use these case studies as an opportunity. 48 case studies in 48 weeks. I mean, in a year's time, and uh, you can train uh, a group of people doing case studies, but however you do it, whether it's a, a, a big blowout weekend event where you do an introduction to biblical counseling series or have topical series, every quarter have a topical series, every couple of months have a topical series, or this Sunday school class idea that I was talking about, what, what you want to do. So you have your, your pastor who's throwing out this counseling worldview in whatever way he does that on Sunday morning. You have people sitting in on counseling sessions, formally for formal training, informally, uh, because you're connecting them to these counselees. And, and then you have these training events, whether big global events within the church or topical events every couple of months or so, or counseling case study class, for example, every Sunday morning, 48 times during the year. And what you're doing is you're building this worldview where everybody is buying into this idea of sanctification discipleship. And then number six, prepare for the community. (laughs) Prepare for the community and other churches that are going to come to you. I I guarantee this. If you raise up the counseling flag at your local church and you're good at it, you actually have the gifting for counseling, people are going to come. 
I have found when I started a counseling ministry at a 1,200-member local church 20 years ago that the community found out, and actually the counseling center that we had, it became an open door to our church where people came to our church. And because of time, I can't get into all the details of, of how to navigate through that and, and that kind of thing. As I said at the head of the podcast, this is a non-exhaustive list. I just really want to whet your appetite. There's so much to be said here. But I would say to be careful as you're counseling other churches. And one of the rules that I had, that I, one of the ideas that I implemented, is that I wouldn't counsel anybody from another church if they didn't have a leader come and sit in on those counseling sessions. I don't like the idea of tinkering with other people's sheep. That pastor from that church is, he will give an account for the people that he's caring for. And I wanted that church and those leaders to know what I was doing uh, to their people. Plus, if they came to me for counseling, usually that's an indication that there's a weakness in counseling in their own local churches. And therefore, I want to get church involvement from those churches. And so it's similar to training formal counselors within my own church is that I can train people, an, an elder or a small group leader at the other church where that counselee is coming from. And then ideally, the counselee can go back to their church with that trained person and they won't have to come see me again. And that's really fantastic. All right, that was a quick blow through. It's just six ideas. This is episode 166. It's titled Six Key Ideas When Starting a Counseling Ministry. Now, this is going to generate questions, and I understand that. And we have links here for you to jump on our forum and ask those questions. I want you to do that. We want to serve you. Also, I've got 34 videos here. i got 10 webinars for you. There's a lot of information. Let us know how we can serve you, and it would be our joy and our privilege to do just that. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.